In the episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you're about to listen to, the following things get spoiled. The Twilight Zone, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, The Seventh Seal, Horrible Histories, This is the End, The Good Place, Defending Your Life, The Aspects, The Interview with the Vampire, The Macropolis Case. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. So, today we're talking about... Death. Death. That's right. Um, why are we talking about death? It's, it's only September. Um, oh, yeah. I guess this should be an October episode. It's an October thing. Yeah. So, here's what I'm thinking. Um, you know, my I've talked before on earlier episodes um, about my teaching schedule this semester, right? And it's... Um, Pretty much turning into all death all the time, <laughs> except for logic, which the students um, seem to think is a kind of a form of death. <laughs> We've been doing Venn diagrams and, and whatnot. Yeah, so I've got the, the metaphysics of death class um, and then existentialism, which doesn't need to be about death. But it turns out that what we've been doing so far, right, is considering Camus' question, you know, well, Given absurdity, should one kill oneself? And then today we um, began watching The Seventh Seal, um, which starts off with a you know, knight from the Crusades playing chess with death, the, the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought it would be fun to maybe just talk a little bit about the metaphysics of death and some of those topics. Um, and then we also have our uh, What Do We Like in segment um, coming up, and, and we've done some interviews on the, the topic, um, a topic related to death um, with some budding young philosophers. So we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but let me just say a little bit to start with about the metaphysics of death, right? So it's, it's an interesting course in that there's this, this question about you know, why death is bad, right? And there's this, this argument attributed to the Epicureans that you know, um, goes way back to ancient times, of course. Um, that basically runs as follows. Um, if when you're dead, you don't exist, right? So there's, there's no you at that point. Um, so how is it possible that death can be bad for you, right? If, if, there's no subject. Yeah, there's no subject. I mean, and, and they say it in a kind of pithy way, you know, when, when death is there, I am not, and when I am there, death is not, right, is, is one rendition of it. Um, so it, it becomes a you know interesting question, right? There's there's this puzzle. How is it that death is bad, right? If if there's no subject um, that exists um, for the badness to attach to, and and related, you know, when does the badness occur, right? If if it occurs, um, you know, if, if the badness of my death for me occurs after I don't exist, right? Then um, it seems like we we don't have a way of attaching the time of the death to the subject of the death, and, and that is bad. 
So, there's also the asymmetry problem, right? Yeah, go. Which is uh, that the time before you were alive, you don't consider it to be bad, even though it was an experiential blank. Mm-hmm. And presumably, it went on for a really, really, really long time. Uh, so why do we consider the time after we die as being bad when we don't consider the time before we were born as bad? Right. They're, they're, they're metaphysically identical in, in, you know, presumably every respect, although philosophers quibble with this. Um, yeah, you don't exist. You exist. You don't exist again. So why is um, the, the non-existence in one case bad when the non-existence in the other case is not bad? Um, this is all predicated, of course, on the idea that death is an experiential blank, as you mentioned. So what, what does that mean? Right? This, is, this is the operating assumption of the people working in these issues. But for something to be an experiential blank is... For the being involved not to have experiences. Yeah. It's, it's, so that precludes a death that, that involves an afterlife, right? We're, we're not um, worrying about, you know, what's the badness of death? You know, consider a you know, Twilight Zone episode where a guy, you know, goes to um, what it takes to be heaven, but the dog won't go in because, you know, dogs um, can smell the difference between heaven and hell, and, <laughs> right? So he's, he's there at what he thinks are the pearly gates, and they're, they're saying, come on in, pal, but it's it's a ruse, right? It, it's not that. It's not Dante's Inferno. Um, there, are, there are no rings to it. Um, nothing about Dante's Inferno rings true. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to edit that out in the future probably no, you aren't. Um, <laughs> i'm gonna wish i had um yeah so it um you know you, you're just to imagine that you don't exist um so there's there's lots of different approaches um to this i, I wanted to tie it in with pop culture um, Before we do that, can I just say one thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I bet you some of the listeners are thinking, well, why are you going with that? Um, you know, why, why would a death course not be uh, dedicated to looking at various accounts of the afterlife? I was talking to one of your students after the Ethics Slam the other day mm-hmm. who was talking about a Hindu conception of what happens after you die. That would be an interesting course on its own, but I think um, there are a set of uniquely interesting issues if you're dealing with the question of, why is death bad if if it's just an experiential blank, right? So, so right, right. So worth addressing just that set of questions. Um, you can pause and have the the conversation about other conceptions of in the afterlife uh, in a different context. Yeah, and the, and the way we set the course up is, you know, you, you don't have to subscribe to that account of death, mm-hmm. um, but it's an interesting question. If that's the right account of death, what's bad about it, mm-hmm. right? Because with all the other conceptions, the the um, no pun intended, the, the devil's in the details, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what's what's bad about, um, you know, death as far as it, you know, is presented by the Catholics? Um, you know, I'm thinking Milton here or something, right? That, um, you know, if if you're good, nothing. Um, yeah. If you're not good, right, you, you got Dante's Inferno brand mm-hmm. stuff, right? It's, um, you know, they're, they're horrors. Um I understand that the the um, Mormon conception of the afterlife is such that it's it's pretty good for everybody, um, mm-hmm. but really good for some people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you live the right kind of life, um, then not only do you get to be closer to God, you get to be with your family. Um, but if you've lived a really bad life, they they don't have something like a, a hell that exists. 
right? Um, mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm not a theologian. But I, I, the, the students report this to me. Um, anyway, it, and, and it doesn't really matter other than to say, you know, there's a, there's a different story with each religion. And the, the story answers the question, what's bad about death or what's good about death? Um, you know, on some conceptions, you, you kind of wonder if it's bad at all. And I'm reminded of this um, bit by Drew Carey, right? So um, back in the 1980s, somebody shot at the Pope. Um, so he you know, created this Pope mobile, and for I, I don't know if they still use it, but um, for those of you who don't know about it, um, basically it's this thing the Pope could stand up in as he drove around waving to the people. Um, but it was you know several inches of bulletproof glass all around him, right? And Drew Carey's line was, "Wow, if, if that guy's afraid to die, I'm really in trouble." Right? <laughs> and so um, you know you might think if you're the Pope. You, you shouldn't, you know, you're, you're chosen. You, you shouldn't want to die. That, that, that death would just be this, this great experience. You know, you're, you're going to get a lot of payoff and, and so forth. So the, the concern with linking the topic of this course up with pop culture is the conception that you get of death as an agent or of what death is like in you know, the afterlife in pop culture, is never an experiential blank. I mean, there, there may be things that, that, you know, refer to that when you die, you're gone, and, and so forth. But, you know, the, the beauty of these things in pop culture is that they they show you something. They prevent, or, you know, they present a, a vision of it, you know, like in the Twilight Zone episode that, that I just mentioned. I can think of one counterexample to that, and that's um, the undead of various types. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's almost as if... So we, we tend to think... Uh, to treat non-human animals in society as if uh, they don't have souls and wouldn't go on to the afterlife. Of course, there are exceptions to this, and there's like these dogs' life movies, which seem to be about that, but I've never mm-hmm. seen any of them. Um, uh, but like, so there's this whole range of living beings that when they die, they're dead. It's just human beings that are going to have an afterlife. And a lot of our pop culture conceptions, that sort of tracks the oh, understanding right, that most right, people right. have. And so I'm thinking that like they like zombies and vampires and so forth are frequently treated more like non-human animals than mm-hmm. uh, than they are like humans. Um, and maybe in the case of zombies, it's maybe because their you know their mental lives are so reduced that it's appropriate to think of them as animals. and so that's just like yeah, right. how um, or maybe not appropriate to think about them as animals, but that's how they tend to get treated on these shows, right? right. It's They're just fine to and feeding and yeah, and it's seemingly fine to to execute them without thinking about whether you're killing a person. It's not like you're killing a seriously mentally disabled human. It's like you're killing an animal, right? Uh, right. But anyway, it, it sure seems as if when those you know when the zombies die, they're just dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the case of vampires. Uh, I think that's probably something about being damned, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm sure this isn't true in all all vampire mythos, but um, like I'm thinking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. You stab them, they pop, burst into dust, right, and, and right. are seemingly annihilated. Yeah, so they uh, they get the experiential blank. Yeah, um, which kind of makes you wonder. I mean, they don't, um, to my recollection, explore this um, too much. But when somebody on Buffy dies um 
that's not turned. It's not clear where they go, right? So there's that one bit where Buffy's in heaven. Yeah, so there's a, an afterlife. A little bit. It just seems like maybe vampires don't go there. Yeah. Unless um, they get a bit of their soul or, or whatever happens. Right, so so you're you're being turned and you're in this kind of undead state, but you're still alive and then you're, you're fully turned and then you're a vampire and then you die because you get slayed and then you... And you don't have a soul. Because isn't that the whole thing with Angel and then yeah. later with Spike, right? Is the presence of a soul or part of a soul that that seems to be kind of the dividing line in pop in many pop culture things is like whether mm-hmm. the being involved has a soul, right? That, but that that raises an interesting question, right? So Buffy dies, mm-hmm. um, comes back, she's singing her song, you know, in mm-hmm. the um, "What's More Feeling" episode, and I was in heaven, and, mm-hmm. and she she has a sort of recollection of that. So presumably, um, maybe I guess you know. Um, Angel and Spike were both um, good guys previously, right? Remember, Spike was the nerdy little um, literary lover from Victorian England or whatever mm. it was, and um, maybe maybe prior to that. Um, so their soul was released. The vampires don't have souls. Did, did the souls go to heaven? Because Buffy knows where she was. Right? Oh, man, don't think about it too hard. Yeah, yeah she, was, <laughs> she was with her soul the whole time. Right, and then she comes back, and she's still got her soul with her. So I just wonder if, if there's like this, that, you know, supposed to be this angel or Spike soul or yeah, and to the extent Drew, you know, any yeah, any of these vampires and people tend to to identify their identities with their souls too. So you might think uh, once once a vampire soul goes away and they become cursed, then uh, they're not even the same person. Yeah, You're an yeah. entirely different individual. Right, and, and then on some accounts, it's your soul that's damned, right? It, it's, yeah. it's that part mm-hmm. of you that's damned or cursed in, in some sense. It's like time travel movies. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. just don't, don't look too Ooh. closely at it. Okay, so um, back to the idea, right? Is like, I thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the, the conceptions of death, again, the agent, um, as well as conceptions of the afterlife, um, they don't sort of jibe nicely with this class, but then we'll come back and, and pick up a topic, um, immortality, mm-hmm. where I think that, that the pop culture gets it. In fact, um, as we'll see, the pop culture drives some of the philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Bernard Williams was um, sort of heavily influenced by you know, one play in particular. Um, okay, so let's, um, let's, let's maybe talk about Death, right? The the Reaper. I have some some favorite instances. Like death personified. Yeah, death okay. personified. Um, so as I mentioned, um, you know, the the kids and I are watching the Seventh Seal. So that's a that's a pretty good um, mm-hmm. version of death. Um, there's there's one that's derivative of that 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 I actually like quite a bit better, right? And it's it's the same character, intentionally so. Um, but rather from the seventh seal, right, where, you know, this, this knight meets up with death and he buys a little more time because he wants to do something meaningful. But um, he, you know, he has to play chess with um, with um, the Grim Reaper to, to get some more time to do his meaningful thing. And it turns out there's nothing meaningful. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, spoiler alert from 19, you know, 47 or 50 or whatever it was. That's just an interpretation. Yeah, 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 right. Um the whole thing's open to interpretation. Um, but in Bill and Ted's bogus journey, right, clearly they they have the same death guy in mind, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, because it's Bill and Ted, they play a, a series of, of different games with him, right? So they, you know, they don't 
they're not smart enough to beat play chess. Death at chess, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they beat him at Twister <laughs> and stuff. But this this guy's great, you know, he ends up playing bass in their band. It uh-huh. was a really fun um yeah. account of the Grim Reaper. Uh, another favorite of mine, probably my very favorite, is in Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, right? So they, you know, The Meaning of Life Part 6, I think, is death, right? They, they go through all the, the different parts of life, starts with birth and, and um, you know, various things that you can experience. So there, this one, um, there's, there's several segments, but the, the one that features the Grim Reaper um, these people are, at, you know, at a dinner party, right? And they're they're very English, except for the people, the couple that's American, and they're very American. And, <laughs> and death comes in, and um, you know, and he says, "Come with me." And so they they're asking him questions, but they're proper. It's like, "Oh, well, Mister Death, thank you for joining us. You weren't invited, but you're welcome to be here." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, He's come with me, and, and they're like, "Where are we going?" And you know, and there's someone figures out. It's like, "Oh dear, I think we're dead." <laughs> and um, then you know, the American guy is very, "How could we all be dead?" And you know, and then the, he's got these long bony fingers, and he points at, at the dinner, and he's like, "It's the salmon moose, <laughs> <laughs> right?" So the, then the the husband um, asked, "Like, you didn't use canned salmon, did you?" And she's <laughs> like, "I'm afraid I did." So she's killed them all, right? But then one of the the, the people says, "Well, I didn't have the moose," and but she's very British, and her husband's British. And it's like, "Come on, dear, don't be difficult, right?" And so then they, like, they all go off to the afterlife, and and that's that's kind of how I picture my death, which you know. Um, by all accounts, it probably isn't very far off at this point. This is Stop. A weird experience teaching this class at, at this age. And for those of you who don't know, I'm chicken. in my 90s, I think. No. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like to think that, that death shows up and says, hey, it's time to go. You're, you're dead. Almost like in um, the seventh seal. You're like, oh, and I see you've been with me, right? And so forth. And then I say, well, what's the deal? And then he explains it nicely to me. And, and, you know, I hop in my car because that's what they do in the meaning of life. And they they follow him off to um, to heaven. So, Well, it's not going to be like that. <laughs> yeah. No, Sorry. no it, it's, it's going to be the experiential blank. Um, but everybody likes the Grim Reaper, right? I mean, you're, you're already dead. He can't hurt you, right? It's not a, I mean, it's a scary looking thing, but it's nothing to be frightened of. Um, you know, the ghost of Christmas future and the various, you know, um, incantations of a Christmas carol. Um, but, you know, maybe particularly um, Scrooge with Bill Murray, you know, supposed to be kind of terrifying, right? It looks weird and robotic, and there's all kinds of things living in its ribcage and, and stuff like that. But you're dead, right? They, they, there's nothing that that guy can do to you that you haven't already done to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what, what about, um, do, you, do you have something to do? you want to move on to the conceptions of the afterlife? Uh, I mean, they have, they do this in The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grim Reaper. Uh, also, uh, they have a fun depiction of the Grim Reaper on Horrible Histories, the British show. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Explain about that a little bit, because not everyone will know what that show is. Oh, that's a hoot. I think it's, it's a fun show. for all ages. Uh, when we went to England, we were watching you know, British TV and saw it. There's this segment called Stupid Death, about stupid ways people have died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Grim Reaper's checking them in. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they, they tell the and stories. they give an overview of how but they're, they died. But they're real stories, so it's and, like... And they're you know, all kind of, oh, uh, I died of a toothache. Or, you know, yeah. they did something really ridiculous to cause their own death. Yeah, historical thing. version of the Darwin Awards, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the, the dumbest yeah. people from 2014, but... 
<laughs> you know, in the Middle Ages, somebody thought, hmm, this water's got something funny in it. That'll taste good. And then, you know, yeah. stupid deaths, right? Yeah. Has little stupid deaths, stupid deaths. Yeah. <laughs> it's always stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great song. Um, okay, what what about the afterlife? Do you have a a favorite conception of the afterlife in pop culture? Hey, not not particularly. The the good place is pretty fun. The good place is nice. Yeah, it's um, it yeah it's tricky because you you think you're in one place and then one place is the other place and there's the, the medium place and all that. Um, we're, we're still not spoiling that with the fourth season coming on. People are, are binging it. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so mine, um, and I'm going to, we haven't talked about this, but I'm going to hit you with a, a philosophical question in a moment here, um, is one of my favorites is this is the end, right? The, the Seth Rogen film. So they, mm-hmm. they end up going to heaven and, um, Craig Robinson's there, and um, at the very end, the and then there's end. the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. And then um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of his of his buddy, Jay Baruchel. I I gapped on that. Okay, so anyway, so they they get there, and then and you know, Craig Robinson says it's heaven. Anything you want to happen can happen. You just you just think of it, and it happens. So instantly, Jay Baruchel goes the Backstreet Boys. Right, that's that's <laughs> that's his. His heaven. So, suppose that's the correct conception of the afterlife, right? That's that's how it is. That um, ain't heaven. <laughs> if someone can can wish the Backstreet Boys into existence, that that diminishes the extent to which it's heaven for everybody else. Okay, but what if what if it's such that only you experience the Backstreet Boys, right? <laughs> um, but what what would you pick? You, you get heaven, you get it exactly how you want. You're gonna say something corny about all your loved ones around you. Um, I'm not, but you go. What do you? What do you not gonna... <laughs> no, I shall do mine first. Okay. All you can eat. The four greatest words in the <laughs> English language, right? And and the more you eat, the better you look, right? This is this is my conception. Ooh, of, okay, I'm of, following you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> um, and by eat, I I mean drink too. <laughs> It's the whole nine yards. It's, it's all you want of whatever you want, right? <laughs> so that's that's a, a conception of, of heaven that I particularly like. Um, so you're just going to join me in the, the eat, drink, and be merry? I mean, I'd have some nature and some people and some philosophy. Nature, philosophy, <laughs> people. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, for me, it would, it would be you, um, Henry, um, my sister, but only if she subscribes to this podcast. <laughs> if she doesn't, then no. And all the people who currently subscribe. And all, to and all the current subscribers, of course, <laughs> and especially those who support us on Patreon. And then, are you ready for it? Yeah. Maybe like a thousand ukuleles, right? Oh, it's, oh, how did I not guess that? It's, okay. It's, it's all all ukuleles all the time. Okay, so other other conceptions of heaven and pop culture. Um, I, I'm not. A Buddhist by any stretch, but I really like um, the Albert Brooks film Defending Your Life, right? So it, it's kind of, you know, he's got a sort of Buddhist take on it, um, mm-hmm. but it's got Christian elements in that, you know, he goes up and you're in this sort of, um, you know, waiting area hmm. and you, your your life gets defended. They, um, you know, you get in front of a panel of judges, they, they give you an attorney, there's a prosecuting attorney, they, they show bits of your life. Um, and if you're deemed worthy, right, this is the, the Buddhist element, 
um, you go off and join the universe, right? So you you, you go to the rest of the afterlife. But it's, do you cease to exist in like as an individual concrete being? Not in this one. You, you get on a tram. Um, oh, <laughs> I don't think that's becoming one with the universe. No, but but they call it that, right? They, <laughs> it's it's by stipulation. It's got the great. Um, 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 I'm gapping on every name today. Um, Rip Torn is in it, right? He oh. plays his lawyer. He's wonderful. Meryl Streep's in it. Um, I I didn't know this about her until I saw this bit, but she can act. She's she's got some chops, and <laughs> she does a great job. Um, Albert Brooks is is just hilarious in it. So that's a that's a conception of of the afterlife that I also kind of find um, attractive. If if you defend your life and it doesn't go so well. Um, they just send you back down. I guess the other part that makes it um, Buddhist is, is you have to overcome your fears, right? I mean, that's that's the essential nature of the the defense, right? Did you mm. did you lose this kind of primal thing? Um, and it just as easily could have been, did you overcome, um, you know, desires or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that? But um, you know. You, their take was fear. Yeah, their take was fear, and, and you have to be better in some respect as as a person, I guess. Okay. Let's change gears a little bit. Um, I want to get back to the, the topics and the metaphysics of death. As I mentioned, there is one topic that does sort of nicely um, tie in with pop culture and you know, various conceptions of, of things in pop culture. So there's the, the question, right, assuming that, that death... Um, Death, the experiential blank, not death, the all dogs go to heaven. Death <laughs> is um, is a bad thing. Then should that make it the case, or should, does that entail that immortality would be a good thing? Right. So we're we're kicking this around. Um, uh, Bernard Williams sort of has a interesting um, position where he thinks that that death isn't bad, um, or sorry, that the death is bad, um, but immortality would be bad as well, right? Which, mm-hmm. which means you're really kind of screwed. And he bases this, um, his argument on this example from the Carl Capic play, The Macropolis Case, right? Mm-hmm. So there we have this woman that, that um, M, and she lives to be several hundred years old. And, um, you know, her, her life is horrible. And if it, you know, it changes in any kind of positive ways, um, it's no longer something that would have been desirable from the point of view of the earlier version of her, the mm-hmm. one that would have desired immortality, right? So he extracts from this that if you, um, you know, if, if, if you're desiring, um, you know, some version of yourself go on for forever, well, yeah, without some overwhelming fundamental change, right? Not mm-hmm. a change in metaphysical being, but, a, you know, the change to your, your person, um, then, you know, either you're going to, to you know, not have that sort of um, change and boredom will certainly ensue, or you'll, you'll get that kind of change, um, but you're now desiring a future with somebody else's desires being satisfied. Like, I think the example he gives is like, oh, you might change so much that you'll be a skinhead or something, you know, yeah, yeah. that somebody you wouldn't desire to be. Or, But it also kind of relies on a, it seems to me, like a conception of identity where psychological continuity is important, mm-hmm. like having the same sorts of, like, memories and other yeah, important yeah. mental states. But values uh, you would change sufficiently over time if, 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 
If you remain sufficiently the same, then you'll get bored. But if you change enough, you won't be the same person. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So there's there's some cool bits of pop culture that address this question. Um, and one that I, I talk about and I haven't been able to find until very recently is this movie that in the 1970s I just loved. And I don't think I saw it at the theater, but um, I think our local, you know, whatever the you know network affiliate for ABC or CBS at the time was, um, purchased the rights to it. So it was mm-hmm. one of those things that they would show on Sunday afternoons all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, now that's been replaced on every channel, every Sunday, all day long by um, the Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> right? But, but back then there was this movie, um, it was a couple of them, right? So one um, that also dealt with the afterlife um, was, was Ulysses, right? And you used to see that quite a bit. Um, but the one that I'm, I'm thinking about now is called The Aspects. And it's this this cool thing. This guy's, um, you know, he's uh, like into you know parapsychology. What what's that group that you were fascinated with? Um, uh, the psychical. The, yeah, the Society for Society for Psychical Psychical Research, Research or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he's like sort of one of those guys, except for I think they were this society was sort of skeptical of it. Um, uh, it was just about looking into it, and a lot of really famous philosophers belong to the society. Yeah, like yeah. William James and yeah, yeah. And, that, and this guy was it was sort of there. So anyway, but he's he's also you know um, like forty percent of all main characters from movies of the sixties and seventies. He was an inventor, inventor, right? So he's mm-hmm. there in his um, um, home inventing things, and so he's got this fancy camera that looks like a steampunk contraption, right? This takes place in you know Victorian England. Um, and he's taking pictures of somebody and they're dying and he sees this weird, um, like, blurry image of a creature entering their body at the time of death. And this is, you know, from Greek mythology, it's the aspects. It's this, this thing that comes to, to, to complete your death, right? It's a, it takes you to death um, somehow. Um, so anyway, so he, he determines that the camera stuns the thing momentarily such that it can be captured. It can, it can be trapped in photographic light, right? Um, so he, he has somebody nearly kill him, photograph him at the, at the moment that he's, um, um, you know, about to die, but snatches this thing, then they lock it in a safe, right? It's, it's a big fancy Victorian safe, combination safe. So he's going to, um, he's immortal as long as the, the the you know, messenger of death can't come and, and take him to death. Um, so anyway, one thing leads to another and he loses the combination to the safe. Actually, he burns it up. But, um, and, you know, back in the day, once you lost the combination to the safe, there was no getting into it <laughs> for eternity. So then they, you know, they, they flash forward, um, you know, 100 years or so. It's, you know, it's in the 1970s and he's alive, but he... he looks like, you know, his, his costume looks like the scarecrow of Romney Marsh, only it's, you know, been run over by horses. And, and he gets in a car accident, but he can't be killed. And he's just miserable, right? So this is sort of in support of um, um, William's thesis, right? That, that immortality would be this awful thing, right? You keep trying to get yourself killed. Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, driving the car off the ledge over and over, hoping one of the times... Mm-hmm. That it would it would eventually take right so um, yeah the the thought is that you know immortality um, should 
to just somehow be an awful kind of thing. This is something they explore in uh, the interview with the vampire series, too. Um, I don't think... I'm trying to... I think they made some of the other books, but uh, maybe weren't true to the actual books. Um, but in some of the books... Mm-hmm. The the vampire characters are certainly considering whether it would be better to just not exist, and and they explore that in the movie too. Mm-hmm. And um, is it better to not exist as a vampire, or just better to not exist? I think you know any form of immortal. Yeah, I mean, you see over time, like everybody that they care about dying, and that's one of these things that people think would make immortality miserable if you were the only one that was immortal. That like, so it isn't about being damned, but more just like about. Uh, being immortal but not having the people you care about be immortal. Or, oh, yeah, or yeah. even if some of the people that you care about are immortal, um, perhaps you'll come to not care about them anymore because you're immortal together and you get sick of them. I would never get sick of you, of course. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm just going to say, you know, not you, not Henry, not any of our listeners, not my sister, if she listens, but everybody else, I'm already sick of it. It just doesn't take that long. I, you know, I personally um, am really dubious of this claim that immortality would eventually get boring. I mean, if you if you enjoy learning things, I I I think that it's not possible to to come to know everything. Mm-hmm. And new facts present themselves all the time. So I I just don't think. I, so you're committed to there being an infinite number of facts because if you had infinite time, right? Mm-hmm. Unless unless you know, there was some cardinal, ordinal number fact relationship thing such that every fact took so long to learn that that you could never get to all of them, right? That, but it's still an infinite amount of time. It seems like you would, there would, you would need an infinite number of facts. But then, yeah. Uh... But I mean, if there's an infinite time, it seems like there's always a new fact. So that's the yeah. case. But yeah. we'd, we'd end up just kind of learning awful stuff like, oh, now it's, you know, 1237 in the year. And then you just recite, you know, 163 zillion zeros. And... <laughs> no, I mean, I just, yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't buy it. I don't, I don't. Because in addition to um, learning that things are the case, there's a million things to learn how to do. Right, right. Uh, I mean, it, I could finally improv, play improv jazz music. Um, like a pro. And then there's countless, like an infinite amount of things you could, or bits of art or writing or whatever that you could create. So you can bring new things into existence. Mm-hmm. It just does the, the boredom thing. I'm, I just don't find it very compelling. Yeah. Cool. All right. Me neither. Um, but the, the, the getting sick of other people thing, that's... That's compelling. That, that's working. <laughs> okay. I mentioned that we did some interviews, right? Talked to some budding philosophers from Weber State University. And we asked them the question, if you could know the time and circumstances of your death in advance, um, would you want to do so? So let me ask you just real quick. Would, would you? Would you like to? Oh, uh, hell no. Hell no. You just, you just want to be blind. I just another thing to like give me tremendous anxiety. Yeah, on the other hand, I'm walking around thinking, any second now, an anvil's going to fall out of the sky and land on my head, and, and that'll be that. So it'd be great to know later. Um, but then, who knows, you'd, you'd be going, crap, I only have 13 more years and nine minutes left, right? It's tricky. Anyway, so um, well, let's, let's see what the philosophers had to say. 
Randy Von Buzzi, would you want to know the time and circumstances of your death in advance if you could? If I could know the time and circumstance, I actually would not choose to know the time and circumstance of my death just because I feel like it would hinder my ability to enjoy each day as it unfolds right now. I would rather make the choices that I would normally make without the pressure of knowing that death was looming and enjoy the progression of life without that fear hanging over my head. Let's hear what Joe Brownlow has to say. I think that I would want to know the circumstances and time of my death because then I could be better able to prepare for it and live a more fulfilling life uh, up until that point. Dan Barnes, thanks for talking to us. Would you want to know the time and circumstances of your death in advance? I'm conflicted about this question. Um, If it was only if I could know the time, I would not. But since the circumstances are also part of the question, I guess I would. It'd be sort of like watching a movie and then knowing when the plot twist was going to happen, sort of. Um, So I could try to figure out how I get into the circumstance in which I die as I'm living. I think that would be interesting. But uh, if it was just the time, uh, I feel like that would just give me a lot of anxiety about how I'm spending my life. Christopher Updeck, would you want to know the time and circumstances of your death in advance if you could? Question, if you could know the time and circumstances of your death, would you choose to? Um, For me personally, I would, because it's just one less thing I have to worry about in life, because by knowing when and how you're going to die, you can plan accordingly and do what you need to before then. And... It makes life that much simpler in a time where life is more chaotic than it's ever been. Katie Crane, what do you have to say about this issue? I think that if I could know the time and circumstances of my death, I would choose to know because I think it would determine how I lived the remainder of my life. Or if you knew as soon as you were able to cognitively understand what it meant, I feel like I would um, be able to choose the path that I took better. I'm sure I would be panicking for the entirety of my existence, but I also do think that um, it would help you to make choices as you moved along. James Grundy, would you like to know the time and circumstance of your death if you could? I don't think that I would want to know the time or the circumstances of my death. I think not knowing allows me to, as the song goes, live each day as if you're dying, to allow myself to appreciate the moments that I do have without the cloud that I think would consume me as an individual, knowing that that day is vastly approaching. And I think having a date, it would be overwhelming. What are we liking this week, Rach? We're not really liking anything new. I'm I'm really liking coming to the end of my to-do list in terms of writing projects that I've taken on. They were all like clustered together in there, a zillion of them. Uh, and so I haven't really had any time yeah. to like pop culture. This this has been a heck of a week. It's it's just been work, work, work around the clock. Yeah. Um, the coming week um, promises to be a little better. 
I'm liking that we're going to Hawaii. Yeah, we're, we're going to Hawaii. We're um, like not idiots. Normally I'd say like idiots, we committed ourselves to this and that. But this time we committed ourselves to going to a philosophy conference in Hawaii. Like intelligent people. During the semester. Right? So it's great. So it's the, the Science Fictions and Pop Culture Conference. We're going to see a lot of our pop culture friends there. Um, so that'll be that'll be nice. Um, it, it's concurrent with um, Hawaii Con. And Just like so. going on the next day or something? Or simultaneously? Yeah, it, yeah simultaneously. It, it, they scheduled around the big events. Um, I haven't taken a look yet. You know you're busy when you haven't thought about your trip to Hawaii. Yeah, um, but you know, it's it's there. We're going to be on the big island. Um, we'll bring the snorkeling gear. We'll bring the ukuleles. It promises to be good. Um, and we're, we're going to do some interviews there. So next week's episode right. will include some of that. So um, what do we like in, in pop culture this week? Nothing. <laughs> what do we like in next week? We're going to be in Hawaii. We're not going to like anything. We're, we're going to like Hawaii Con and the Science Fiction Pop Culture Conference. Um and then we'll get back, and we have things to look forward to. Uh, are, are you looking forward to the Joker coming up? Um, oh, I am, yeah. I am, I am too. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, the Good Place starts this week, so we'll, we'll Tebow that season four. There'll be, there'll be lots of things there. Okay, Rach, that's a wrap. Another episode is in the can, and once again, everything has come up Charbonneau. Please visit our webpage, that's IThinkTheyreForIFan.com, all one word, to find out about upcoming episodes. If you would like to support I Think Therefore I Fan, please go to the webpage, click on the link at the top of the page that says Donate, and follow the instructions. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. It helps. See you next time.